Hello and welcome to the First Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. We're glad you joined us this week. First Lutheran Church lives by the mission statement, called by the Spirit, we serve Christ, sharing God's love with all. And we are glad to share this good news with you this week. We're able for our gospel acclamation. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 13th chapter. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example, that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also ought to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Please be I wonder how many of you all have heard about the legend of green jello salad. <clears throat> it began in the early 1900s. Buckle up, folks. <laughs> no, it began in the early 1900s and a church in Pennsylvania, a Lutheran church, was preparing to receive a new pastor. 
And all of the women in the church were asked to bring a dish as part of a celebration dinner. And one woman went home and found her icebox had been left open and all of her ingredients spoiled. So she went and gathered anything that she had. She happened to have some gelatin, some peaches on her counter, some food coloring, and sugar. So she mixed it all together and put it in the fanciest dish she had, a bunt pan, <laughs> and then brought it to the church dinner, and everyone oohed and awed at this beautiful new type of salad at the, at the dinner. They even said it was, oh, I have to get the word, perfection. Okay, so none of that story is true, but <laughs> I, I think that would be a great story to tell. But no, it actually did happen in 1904. A woman in Pennsylvania submitted that dish to a contest, and it was called Perfection Salad, and it got third place. But when I think of church meals, specifically potlucks, I think of green jello salad or red jello salad or whatever flavor jello salad. And I think all of us can recall a meal or a dish that holds special meaning for us, some part that's it's integral to your, to your story. Perhaps it's because of who you were making it with or who prepared it for you. Perhaps it's just a dish that reflects your heritage. Well, in our first reading that Dick read, we hear about one of these kinds of meals, a meal that holds deep significance for the story of those people. So more than a thousand years before Jesus, God's people, the people of Israel, were refugees in Egypt. They'd left their land in Israel because of famine, and so they were looking for abundance, and they found it in Egypt. And they grew, and they grew, and the Pharaoh was threatened by God's people, and so he enslaved them. And so those people, they, they built mud bricks, they built um, Pharaoh's statues, they built all different types of projects, they sweat, they, they cried, they cried out to God, and God heard and answered them. And so God sent Moses to Pharaoh, to command Pharaoh to let God's people go. And Pharaoh refused. So God sent ten plagues among uh, the Egyptians there. And the last one we read about tonight, God told Moses that there would be an angel of death that would pass over the land, that would pass through the land. And this angel of death, this plague, would destroy the oldest child human or, or, or even animal. And so God told Moses to prepare the people. And so Moses told the people they needed to get ready. They were to take the blood of a lamb and, and smear it on the doorposts and the lintel, the, door, the post over the door. And this blood of this lamb would cause the angel of death to pass over that home and to save those people. But they should also be ready, um, because when this happens, there would be chaos in the land, and they would be hunted. So once they did that, they needed to be ready to flee. And so Moses instructed them to bake their bread as part of their meal, but don't wait for it to rise, don't wait for it to 
Leaven, eat this bread unleavened. And the people of God, they listened, and they obeyed, and God delivered them. And then God told Moses that every, day, every year they are to share a meal of remembrance of when God delivered them, when God liberated them from slavery. And they are to slaughter a lamb and eat unleavened bread and bitter herbs and remember God's story that is their story. They are never to forget that they were once slaves, but they were saved by God's mighty outstretched arms. And so, to this day, Jewish fam- and yesterday was Passover. So, to this day, though, Jewish families across the globe, they gather in their homes and share in a Passover meal, a Seder, which means order, and they do so to remember that once they were slaves, once their people were slaves, but God delivered them. We hear this promise in Exodus chapter 6. God said, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you with my outstretched arms, and I will take you as my people and be your God. You shall know that I am your God. So throughout the Seder meal that Jews, um, Jewish, the Jewish community has now, uh, they ask questions, and they um, have answers to these questions. And this is a story that they're interacting with, and it's meant to, to tell this whole story of salvation. And it's meant to bring the participants into the story of those days when things were despairing and there was bondage, but then throughout the story, the tone changes, and at the end of the Seder is hope and salvation. Things change. But the Passover meal isn't a reenactment, really. It's a time machine that's meant to bring the people back into those days. Now, there are a lot of variations of the, of the Seder meal, especially around the larger meal that happens outside of the, uh, the storytelling part. But I've actually brought a few items um, that are eaten as part of that traditional, symbolic part of the meal. So I don't have enough for us all to um, enjoy, but I'll leave them out in the nave lounge at the end of worship. So first of all, the, the traditional Seder meal has five cups on the table, and four of them have wine in them. And these four are meant to symbolize uh, toasting to God's promises, those four promises. I will deliver you from the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery. I'll redeem you, and I will be your God. And then the fifth cup is empty, and that's the cup for Elijah, the one who is to prepare the way for their Messiah. So I have here uh, a Seder plate, and it helps, again, tell the story with the different items that are part of this part of this meal. So one of the first parts of this meal is the the leafy greens. These are not the bitter herbs. These are the leafy greens that are meant to symbolize new life and hope and promise. And the people are invited to uh, eat these, but first to dip them in salt water. And this is meant to 
remind them of the tears and the sweat of the people who cried out to God as they were laboring as slaves in Egypt. Another part of the, of the meal, um, they have bitter herbs, which oftentimes they have a piece of lettuce that they eat. But another part of it is the bitter, burning, hot horseradish. I'm not going to eat this, or I won't be able to finish the sermon or service, but it's hot. If you have um, fresh horseradish right from the, from the plant, it's hot, and it will make you cry. And that burn is meant to bring you back to the pain of those days for God's people. People will have uh, on their Seder plate an egg, also representative of the, the Passover sacrifice, but also the cycles of, of life. Another part of the Seder meal is a, a thing called heresit. And this is, I made this fresh today, it's apple and pecan and cinnamon and honey and lemon. And this looks a little bit like mortar. And so this is meant to represent the, the, uh, the mortar that the slaves used as they were building Pharaoh's large projects. And of course I have some matzah bread here. Now in the, in the Passover meal, part of what uh, participants do is they actually break the matzah bread in half and then they hide some of it away. This is meant to represent how in those days they were preparing for times of scarcity so they wouldn't eat the whole bread, they would break it apart and save some for later. Nowadays when people um, have the Seder meal, somebody will usually go and hide it somewhere in the house and then, then it's a fun game to go and find some later. So that's another piece of this meal. And then, uh, one last part is the lamb bone, the, the shank of the lamb bone. And that is meant to reflect the sacrificial lamb that the Israelites had and then smeared that lamb's blood over the doorposts. That blood that was a salvation marker to the angel of death. This is the meal that Jesus had prepared, a different but similar, uh, slightly varied. But this was the meal, and this is the meal that Jesus was leading for the disciples in that upper room so many, many years ago. And this is the meal that the disciples had come and prepared for, to remember the salvation of their people from slavery. This is the meal of remembrance that those disciples and Jesus had shared so many times before. But with Jesus, everything changed. That decisive moment of salvation for God's people, that defining moment of their story, was changing. With Jesus, he was saying, my suffering and death and resurrection will now be your defining story. And I want you to come back and do this meal and do it in remembrance of me. So he took the unleavened bread and he broke it. But this time he said, this is my body and I give it to you. Take it, eat it, let it be part of you. And then he took the cup and he blessed it and he gave it for all of them to drink and said, 
Yes, this is a cup of God's promise, one that we toast to. But this cup is a new covenant. It's a new vow, a new promise that I make for you. I will deliver you. I will rescue you. I will be your God, and you will be my people. I now am the sacrifice, and with me, death has no dominion or power over you. So our Jewish brothers and sisters across the globe continue to tell the story of their faith with the Seder meal. And in communion, we do the same with Christ. With this meal, we do it in remembrance of Christ and Christ's indescribable love that casts out sin and forgives all. And we are called to do the same and welcome our friends and family around this table of promise. We look back to the table that Jesus shared with his disciples on that last night. And he had faithful people. And he had flawed people. He had some that we would consider worthy to be there. And we see also those who we think would not be worthy but who Jesus reminds us are. So we remember Christ in this meal of communion. We remember his command to love one another and to serve one another. And we continue to tell that story, not just in this meal or in this place, but in our lives, as in our charity towards others, in our welcome towards others, in our service to God and to our neighbor. So may God bless us in these holy days as we prepare ourselves for Easter, as we prepare ourselves to be made new by the promise of God's love for all. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for your mighty, outstretched arms that save us. Bless us as we come to this meal of abundance, as we are nourished and fed and sent forth to serve. These things we pray in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray that these words and message inspired you in your faith journey as you grow with God. We would love to see you at worship, either online via Facebook Live or in person at 1234 Southwest Fairlawn Road at 5 p.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sundays. God loves you, and so do we.